two prime, three prime, four, maybe more. I often use this question when I'm being challenged on something that I think is kind of simple. If we were able to send a human being to the moon and bring them back alive in 1969, how in 2023, while holding more computing power in the palm of our hands and our iPhones, more than NASA had 54 years ago in a warehouse full of computers, how can we not make this one thing happen? And yet this one thing often proves more difficult than a lunar mission, somehow. One of the best replies I've had that challenged me on that above question was from an underwriter who said, we didn't launch any rockets with this computer system. Fair enough. Look, I understand there are challenges to what I'm about to propose, but it really does seem straightforward or at least simpler than sending human beings into outer space and bringing them back alive. So the proposal, create a specific mortgage prime rate. Perhaps the formula is mortgage prime equals prime minus three with a floor rate of say 3%, a ceiling of five and a quarter, and the government steps in to deal with interest rates outside that bandwidth, but the consumer, the mortgage holder has some fundamental protection. And of course, I'm not going to miss an opportunity to add in the 50-year amortization bit. I mean, combine this with a 50-year amortization and what do you have? Boom, you have a critical component back in play in the market. Confidence. More on confidence in a second. Developer, developers building rental homes, multifamily product right now, they can access a 50-year amortization via CMHC, CMHC's MLI Select program. So CMHC does believe in a 50-year amortization, at least for developers they do. And the developer can rent that condo out to me. So why CMHC? Why can I not have a 50-year amortization on a condo I want to buy? but the developer can have it on one they want to rent me. If a 50-year amortization is good enough for a property developer or a landlord, why the heck isn't it good enough for an owner-occupier? It just doesn't add up. I'm going to stop there. Sidetrack over. Back to the prime rate debate. All right. Arguably, a dual, even a multi-prime rate model, already exists. At least one charter bank has, for their residential mortgage division, their own bank prime right? Set at 0.15 above mainstream prime. So this nuance, this variation, it exists. This can be done. The net result of a specific prime rate, mortgage prime rate, I should say, would be the stimulation of new construction. Because, well, we're in desperate need of that new construction, but what's going to stimulate that construction is consumer confidence. And without confident consumers, builders don't build because who are they going to sell to? And consumer confidence is largely based on certainty, i.e. certainty around the ability to qualify and the ability to make the payments. That certainty has been rocked. That confidence has been rocked big time lately. Certainty, confidence, and construction. These three Cs at the moment, you know, we're, we're kind of lacking all three. And a lack of certainty leads to a lack of confidence for all involved, the consumer, the investor, the developer alike. And this leads to reduced construction, which leads to what? Turmoil, social unrest, that's all brewing. Worse? So what do we need? Housing-wise, we need, based on CMHC's latest reports, a combined owner-occupied and purpose-built rental stock of 5.8 million units built inside the next six years. Now, what are we actually going to get? 
uh, based on the current numbers at the current pace, maybe 1.5 million doors. So yeah, a shortfall of probably somewhere around 4.3 million housing units. 4.3 million more housing units required than will be built. And the people will be here for them. But the units won't exist. So not without some radical action. And no, closing the doors to immigration probably isn't the correct radical action to take. That's more of an inaction. It doesn't fix this shortfall equation. It really doesn't. It, it adjusts it, I'll give you that, but it doesn't fix it. And in fact, a moratorium on importing new able-bodied citizens into Canada probably makes our situation worse over the long run, but that's another topic for another day and maybe for another person altogether to, uh, to cover. On the day of this post, the fact remains it's unlikely that that 5.8 million unit number will be met. Unlikely in the extreme. In fact, it's unlikely that even half of that many of home housing units will be built. This is a fact. So where does this leave us? It leaves us with a clear need to make massive strides towards stimulating the housing market. And I will repeat it, a mortgage-specific prime rate running, let's say, 3% below current prime with a floor of three and a ceiling of five and a quarter. Launch it with a fancy name, Housing Action for All Canadians. Havak. Havak, indeed. A bonus to this proposal is that it would result in inflation numbers reporting lower regarding housing costs. So that might be a win for the Bank of Canada, although there's the unavoidable fact that the creation of 5.8 million housing units over the next six years would be inflationary in many ways. And that's not something the Bank of Canada wants to see. And that's where you really start to get into the conundrum of all the different factions of government with all their different objectives. You know, there's resistance to making things affordable right now because affordable is inflationary. Affordable housing is inflationary. We can't have that. That's why CMHC doesn't want to give a consumer a 50-year amortization, because they see that as inflationary. But you can't have one without the other. Sometimes you have to accept both. As much as we want to have our cake, lower inflation rates, and eat it too, housing for all, we simply can't have both of those things. So which one, housing versus inflation, matters more? That's the real question. Is it inflation we're going to focus on, or is it roofs over people's heads? Obsessing over the inflation rate, as low as it actually is at this point, while ignoring a clear crisis in housing, seems like the very definition of navel-gazing. I mean navel-gazing as there's an oncoming train that you can hear. You can see it in your peripheral vision. It's right there. But as short-sighted of a policy as any government could implement, if political survival and or socioeconomic stability matters to anyone in power at all. Because while taming inflation might score a few votes, might score a few points, of, I guess, fixing the housing supply would secure millions of votes. Voters care about a roof over their own heads more than just about anything else, because that's kind of where you start your day, either under a roof or not. Now, because I'm based in BC and it's summertime, the summer wildfires are top of mind out here. So a bit more to consider in all of this. A current and profoundly sad example of how broken the housing system actually is can be seen in the very small town of Lytton, B.C., destroyed, flattened, leveled by wildfires in the summer of 2021. Two years ago. Two years ago. And a full two years later, 
nothing has been rebuilt. Not the hospital, not the RCMP station, not the Tim Hortons, and very, very few homes. In other words, the government can't even replace their own buildings. Businesses haven't been able to replace theirs, and residents can't replace their homes because bureaucracy and now vastly inflated costs piling on as well. Part of the reason for this is that many of the town's records and administrative documents were destroyed when the city hall burned down. Nonetheless, when a municipality cannot even begin to replace buildings lost on top of the exact same foundations in the exact same positions on the exact same lots they pre-existed on two years later, well, it seems straightforward, but clearly, clearly our housing, or at the very least, our zoning, permitting, and approval systems at the municipal level are broken. So is it a federal government problem? It is. But is it the federal government's creation? Yeah, partly. But we've also got provincial issues and municipal issues all the way down the ladder. So who will step up and fix it? Setting aside the question of who, one thing that would have a stimulative effect would be a lower interest rate specific to mortgages. If not all mortgages, then certainly construction mortgages. But why limit it to only new construction? Why limit it only to developers? Why limit it only to purpose-built rentals? Why limit it only to individual investors? Why not also owner-occupied homes? Why limit it at all? Why not assist every Canadian in getting a roof over their heads, either owned or rented, by better managing a very controllable piece of this puzzle, the prime rate or the mortgage prime rate? Fix prime. Thank you.